Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. It is our very last week of our Engulfed series. And so before we start, I'd love to share with you a story. That's a true story, by the way. Just over seven years ago, my daughter's preschool had to close down because of a severe virus that broke out in that school, so much so that many babies even got hospitalized. Now, thankfully, we were able to get Alessia, our daughter, medical care just before hospitalization was necessary. But in that process, my husband and I fell very, very ill. Now, all of this just so happened to fall on the week that I was supposed to get baptized here at New Life Church. Coincidence? I don't know. I remember telling my husband, nothing short of death is going to stop me getting baptized. I see the attacks of the enemy. I will get baptized. And so the Sunday came. And I remember getting into that very baptism pool, all shaky and weak, and Ryan baptized me. And as I stepped out of the pool, immediately I could feel that I was completely healed. Now, my husband, yes, let's celebrate that, absolutely. Now, remember, my husband was still very ill, right? And so he only came out to see the baptism ceremony and went straight back home to bed. And so I get home feeling like a million bucks, and I see that he's still sleeping. And so I laid hands on him, and I prayed my very first prayer ever, asking God for healing. And so I went to the living room, and lo and behold, around 10 minutes late, my husband nearly steps into the living room and says, Luzon, I don't know what happened, but I feel completely fine. You know, one of the names for our God is Yahweh Rapha, and it means the Lord who heals. And that is the God that we serve. He is in the healing business. I've experienced divine healing in my life, and I've seen many instances of divine healing since. And so as we close off this series today, we're going to talk about the gift of healing. And as you can see by the furniture behind me today, I'm not going to do all the talking. We are inviting three very special New Life family members to come and share their incredible story of how they have encountered Yahweh Rapha in their life against all odds. So, can you help me welcome to the stage Tammy, Kim, and Ismika? Let's keep the round of applause going as they take their seats. There we go, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know that today amazing things are going to happen in this place. We can feel it in our bones. And so thank you for the courage to come and share your incredible stories. Before we dive in, why don't we take some turns just to go around and introduce yourself and also share how long have you been part of the New Life family? Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Ismika. I've been part of New Life Church for the past 22 years. Um, I'm married, I'm 42 years old, I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son. Good morning, church. Um, my name is Tammy. I'm 30 years old and I've been part of New Life for three years. Morning, church. My name is Kimberly. I've been a part of New Life Church for over six years. I'm married with two kids. 
Wonderful. And so, ladies, it is so prevalent that all of you are still so young, yet you were all met with impossible circumstances with regards to your physical health. Tammy, let's maybe start with you. When did you first realize that all was not well and normal with your health? Um, it was starting in about 2015. I was a very outdoorsy person, always liked it in nature, and I started to discover discomfort in my joints, but I thought nothing of it. It got round about to July when I said to my mom, no, something is seriously up, I need to go to the doctor. Um, so I went to the doctor, they ran a few blood tests, and when I got called in by the doctor, he told me I have rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, what exactly is that? Um, it's an autoimmune and inflammatory disease, so your body basically attacks itself, its good cells. Um, I first had to wait for a few months before I could go to the specialist. I was on a waiting list. Eventually, I got to the specialist, and I was put on medication. Every three months, I had to go to have uh, blood and urine drawn just to make sure that I had no organ failure and that my organs were coping with the medicine. It got harder to the point where I was battling to walk. I was battling just to function daily. So I was referred to um, an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I had to have hand, a hand operation because I was using the, losing the use of my one hand. I had to have a knee operation and they had special soles made for my feet just so that I could walk. It was getting worse and worse and eventually um, I had a problem breathing but it got to about round about in August of 2019 that I started to struggle to breathe as well and even I would yawn a lot because I was battling that much just to try and get my air, my lungs filled with air. That's incredible, Tammy. I think when I hear arthritis, I think you have pain in your wrists, right? To think it comes to a point where they're checking, you might get organ failure, you can't even breathe properly anymore. That must have been terrible, being in constant pain like that. Well, we're going to pause your story right there just for a moment. Kim, and I think listening to Tammy, you can already relate to some of the stuff that she was going through. Where did it all start for you? It was February 2020. I was at home doing my normal chores. And then suddenly I felt pain in my chest. It was on the left side of me, my jawline, my shoulder, upper left back all hurt. And my heart, my physical heart actually hurt. And I also felt like somebody had stuck a feast on my chest. So I couldn't breathe. I just could afford to collapse on the couch, grab my phone and call my husband who was at work. And I told him, you need to come home quickly because something is terribly wrong with me. When he got home, yes, he found me gravely ill. And at some point I passed out and then I was rushed to casualty at the hospital. And then upon admission, I was diagnosed with ischemic heart disease. I've never heard that word before in my life, ischemic heart disease. I don't even think I'm pronouncing it right. What exactly is that? Well, there's many aspects to it, but in my case, one of the arteries that um, deliver oxygen-rich blood to my heart was narrowed, damaged, and partially blocked. So my heart was not getting enough oxygen, and so parts of the cells on my heart were dying off, and so that's what caused all that pain. It was very strange for the doctors at my age to be diagnosed with that because it's normally associated with older people. Um, but my father and my brother both passed in their 40s and 50s from cardiac failure, and they were both diagnosed in their 20s and 30s. So it was genetic. So it was genetic. Oh my goodness, Kim. And was there any treatment? Is there any way to, to get cured from this? 
In my case, they recommended I do bypass surgery, which is harvesting uh, a healthy vein or artery from my leg or arms and then bypassing the damaged um, artery, which is basically open heart surgery. Oh my goodness. Now I'm sure that that is really affordable to, to get done here in South Africa. What was your plan? Because as I understand you mentioned, you guys didn't have medical aid. So what was the plan to get this life-saving surgery? Well, the quotes we got for like a cash-paying patient were around half a million to three-quarters of a million rand. So we looked to India, which is like really booming with medical tourism. Um, you can get a lot of uh, surgery done at a, a fraction of what it costs in most countries. So after my doctors transferred all my files and everything to the doctors in India, that was the plan. We opened a GoFundMe page to try and cushion the whole process, but it basically cost around $8,000, which was about 150,000 rand. So it was much, much less compared to what it was in South Africa. Okay. Now, when did this all transpire? You had now this plan to go to India. So were you guys able to get to India to get that life-saving surgery? The very morning that I went to the Indian embassy to try and get um, my visa with my sister who was going to go with me, they had put a notice on the embassy doors. There was no staff, just security. And... Um, the embassy was not processing any visas, even the ones that were already submitted were not going to be processed because of COVID-19, the world basically shut down. Of course, this was March, 2020. Oh my goodness, speak about bad timing. Here you have the opportunity to receive this life-saving surgery only for the world to come to a standstill. What was the fear and I guess also despair like that you had to deal with in, in that time? I think the fear was like, yeah, unimaginable. Like my doctors kept telling me I need to shield, I am vulnerable. And I'm living in a house where people still have to carry on with their normal lives. My sister still has to go to work. And just um, every time they walk into the house, I am so terrified if yeah. do they have the virus? Am I gonna get it? Obviously, I won't survive. So it was really, really a tough mental battle with the fear. I remember in 2020 uh, getting the, the prayer request coming through on the prayer team line and then also just hearing the updates on your health. And it really was going from bad to worse to worse. And it really seemed to be at, the, at that stage a hopeless situation. So we're going to pause right there because we know it was not a hopeless situation. There's still more to your story. Ismika, thank you so much for joining us today and tell us, when first did you notice a decline in your health? Uh, it was last year, um, on the 3rd of June, 2021. Uh, prior to hearing the news from the lab, um, I went for, took a life insurance with a new company. And uh, to my amazement, prior to that, I was feeling uh, symptoms of uh, a lot of body aches, weakness, uh, very pale. And I thought to myself, there's definitely something not right with me. And I said, God, I just don't know why I'm feeling like this, but it's not normal. Mm. And on that very day, I think it was at quarter past 11, uh, I, got, I was contacted by a doctor from the lab. And my results was um, I was diagnosed with acute lymphocytic leukemia. Wow. And what exactly is that, Esmika? Uh That part of leukemia is a blood cancer, and it affects the bone marrow as well. 
That's where your both blood cells, your white blood cells and your red blood cells do not work together in order to protect your immune system. And tell me, what did it feel like just internally going through, you know, getting that, that devastating news? Uh, it broke me into a million pieces. Um, I was devastated. First thing I was thinking of my children. Am I going to see my daughter getting married one day? I'm going to go see my son growing up. I think they were like just my biggest worry at that point in time. And I had to reassure them that mommy's going to be fine. Everything is going to be well. And just listening to that, I think that's sometimes something we miss when it comes to someone dealing with a great illness is just that internal battle that's going on, you know, the battle in your mind, your emotions, even spiritually. Tell me, what was that internal struggle like for you and did it have an effect on your relationship with God? Um, emotionally, I was in a very hard place because I'm a very proud person and I like to do my things myself. So having to have my sister and mom come in the room, get me out of bed, put braces on me, rub me with DP, just to sort of get help, dress me. It was very physically hard and also was uh, arthritis prone to get depression. So the uh, devil was having a field day with me too because in my head I was thinking I'm, I'm pun being punished for something because why would, why, how could you suffer like this anyway? But I was praying and having faith and asking God, please just get me through this. Yeah. And I think that's exactly true what you're saying, Tammy. In that moment of fear, the devil is just having a field day with all of those emotions. Kim, what was that internal struggle like for you? Because just like Ismika, you're also a mother. And so with that also comes the need to now reassure your children, being strong for your kids, at the same time having the, this battle going on in your own mind and heart. It was really hard for me to encourage my kids because I needed encouragement myself. But the reality was I just might not be there for them. I, I'm dying. So I found myself having to write letters for them for their 21st birthday, their wedding, their metric farewell. And that was really, really, really hard for me. Ismika, you mentioned, and that's a big part of your story, is just your community, the people that just surrounded you. You actually brought a couple of photos along of people that played an instrumental part in your life. And, and tell us, how did they help you? How did they help you focus going forward? And if there's anyone here sitting here today or maybe even watching online that is in the fight and just feeling like they're alone in the battle, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, all the people that you're seeing in the photo portfolio, these are all the people that give me positivity daily. Uh, you know, just uplift me uh, spiritually, mentally, and speak life over me. And there were three special ladies also that's part of New Life, which impacted my life greatly. One of it was Shireen Robler. I don't know if she's here today, but she's been an inspiration to me from day one. And then was Rosa. She would like take me to coffees and lunches and just motivate me. Rosa will always say, no, you're more like Wonder Woman. I said, no, Rosa, I'm not Wonder Woman. I'm just trusting God. Mm. And then also came Sharon, which has been my friend for 22 years. She motivated me spiritually also to take communion and just give my life over to God and just trust him. So we did that three times a day with my husband and my kids. Um, I ordered a whole box of communion from Take A Lot. And we started intercessing. And I said, by the blood of Jesus, I shall be healed. Mm. Amen.
And for those, yes, let's celebrate that. For those who might be feeling like they're alone in this, that, you know, they're fighting, they're trying to keep a brave face, but they don't have that community, what advice could you give them today? I think keeping positive is one of the most important um, impacts in one's life. And I think joining a circle of positive people yeah. and just praising God at the same time and just trusting him completely. Yeah, having people that is speaking life out over your life, that is so true. And I just want to encourage you guys, oftentimes when people go through a big illness like this, they won't often ask for help. And so if you have anyone in your community that you know is struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, be that person for them. Be that Sharon, be that Shireen for them that they can lean on. Tammy, thankfully, you also had a family that just surrounded you and served as a support structure. You now already received surgery on your hands and on your knees. Special soles were made for your feet. We actually have a photo of that because the doctors say the moment they start operating on your, on your feet, there's really, you know, that's going to be a bit of trouble. And you also then got to a point where you were struggling to breathe. So what followed after that? Um, well, my family encouraged me because my prescription was actually emailed to go see the specialist. And I told them, for me, it just feels like a waste because every time I went, it was just getting worse. I was already drinking over 250 tablets every month. So I didn't think there, what, there could be anything else. So just to make peace with my mom and my sisters, I agreed. And I said, okay, no, it's fine. I'll go to the specialist. But I first wanted to check out New Life Church because I saw these adverts on Facebook and I thought it looks pretty cool. So we went, and it was my first Sunday in September, uh, the first Sunday service here in September, and I, I don't think I even made it through the worship song. I sat for the duration because I was in extreme amount of pain. Mm. And the week that it followed, I went to the specialist. Uh, she was concerned, and she said, every time the test came back, there's no improvement. It's just getting worse and worse, and looks like I'm also developing lupus. So she asked me emotionally how I was feeling, and I just told her, I'm done, um, when can we call this quits? And she told me, but I'm sorry, there is no cure for this. The only option is to try and control your pain and make you as comfortable as possible. Oh my goodness, and you didn't think that there is no cure to rheumatoid arthritis. That must have been such devastating news, Tammy, at your age, knowing the level of pain you're struggling with, even getting to a place that you can't breathe anymore, that's now just your reality for the rest of your life. Well, we're gonna leave you there. Kim, for you, the doctor now prescribed an oxygen tank, right? You are now bedridden at this point. Frankly, was there a moment where you honestly thought, I'm not going to survive this? Yes, one night I could barely breathe. I was turning blue. My lips were blue. My, the, the tips of my fingers were blue. And when I was rushed to casualty again, I was prescribed an oxygen tank. I could barely get out of bed. And so I really felt like this is the end. I was taking um, five milligrams a day of the nitrate tablets that would help dilate my arteries so I could breathe better but at this point I had to take 60 milligrams and the doctors tell, told me this would happen the med medication eventually like my body would just get so accustomed to the medication that it's not it, even effective anymore yes so I, I was literally surviving on maybe a banana a day or a bowl of porridge so I was really really frail at this point in time so 
what happened in that pit, in that moment? You know, I think you're faced with two choices. Either you're accepting your fate and you let this disease run its course, but there might be a second option as well, just a choice you make mentally. Did you have that moment? I remember laying in bed, crying, and asking God, why, why, why do you think it's a good idea to put me through this? And at that point, I really felt like the all-knowing God had missed a mark. But um, I envisioned the devil wearing his armor and fighting me mercilessly, relentlessly, and he was not going to give up until he got me six feet under. And in that moment, I realized that crying and, and moaning will not uh, win a, a battle. I was in the middle of a real-life battle here. I felt a rush of rage in me that if the devil was physically in front of me, I would have attacked him, and I am so sure I would have won that fight. But I knew I couldn't attack him uh, physically, uh, sp physically, but I could fight him um, spiritually. So I got into battle mode. I got hold of all my prayer partners and I told them, at this point in time, no one pleads or begs for my life. But if it is the will of God that I should die, then it's fine because all the concerns that I have around dying, my children, my mom, my husband, then the Lord, the all-knowing God has it covered. I shouldn't worry. But if it is not the plan of God, then I am not going down without a fight. Amen. <laughs> I love that. And Ephesians 6 verse 11 to 12 reminds us to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Kim, you get up and you got ready for battle. Is Mika... You received your diagnosis, acute leukemia. What was your response to that? I was heartbroken because that word only meant cancer. It means that what's going to happen now? What do I do? How do I feel? It was in, I was emotionally broken down. And I knew that I couldn't actually go anywhere because if I had to withdraw myself from functions, from people, even though the COVID was still going on as well, I had to protect my immune system. So it was an emotional breakdown for me. And you shared previously that you came and you visit Ryan for some prayer and advice. Yes, um, I came to Pastor Ryan and he prayed over me, um, laid his hands on me. And I could feel something happening while he was praying for me because he prayed so powerful. And before I could leave, uh, he told me that, Ezbika, you're going to be a testimony soon. You don't have to worry. You know, everything's going to be okay. And that was so inspiring and motivating because from the time I left his office after that prayer, I actually managed to gain more confidence, motivation, and inspiration. Amen. And did you hear from your doctor? Was there any kind of next steps now to treat your leukemia? Um, he actually, um, they wanted to put me on um, chemotherapy, uh, chemotherapy and I refused it. I spoke over my life and I said, no doctor, I'm not coming into the hospital, you won't see me ever. 
coming for chemotherapy. And this doctor says, excuse me, but you are really stubborn. You know, you really need to come into the hospital. We need to actually help you before it gets worse. And I believe in one thing, that if God gave me life, he shall not let me perish, but he shall give me everlasting life. Hey, amen. I love that. You know, just speaking life out over your life, prophesying over yourself, and just yielding the Word of God as a weapon, which it is. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why it's important for us to know these scriptures and speak it out over us. Tammy, you received the word from the specialist that there is no cure for what you have. This is your life now. All that they can do for you is, is make your life and you know, circumstances as comfortable as possible, trying to manage the pain. What followed receiving after receiving that devastating news? Um, it was a very emotional car ride with me and my mom back from Pretoria. I was crying and I just told mom, if this is God's will, then this was the last time that this place would see me. So it came to Sunday, um, my second time at New Life. And there was an altar call, so I leaned over and I told my mom, I want to go up for prayer, but the pain, I can't get myself up. So my mom basically left me to get up, and it felt like it took forever to get to the front. So Pastor Ryan prayed for me, and I told him what I was going through, and I just told him I can't anymore. So as he started to pray, from the, the top of my head to the tip of my toes, I started to get this real tingling and warm sensation the, I walked back and I felt, well, I could actually bend my arms out. I could actually sit. And that afternoon when we got home, it was the best sleep that I'd had in over four years. So I told my mom, mom, I'm not going back to the specialist. I made an appointment with my normal GP. I actually sat in his office. And usually if he'd come in, he'd lift me up so I can get on the bed. So I'm like sat up myself and he was quite amazed. He's like, well, this is a miracle. So I said, we need to run the test. And he ran the test, and a week later, he phoned me, and he's like, your tests are completely normal. Everything is clear. It's gone. Praise God. An illness that had no cure had to bow to the name of Jesus. And no more sign of rheumatoid arthritis in your blood whatsoever. We just serve an incredible God. And when it comes to receiving prayer uh, for healing, James 5 13 actually instructs us of this. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We are called to pray for one another. The healing power does not reside within us. We are a mere vessel for that power to flow through. Tammy, what an incredible testimony. A situation that seemed impossible was possible for our God. And tell us, what has your life been like since you've received this miraculous healing? Well, to me, it feels like I've had a second chance at life, and I'm all about serving God and serving others, so I will do it till the fullest, and that is my passion in life. Amen. And, and Tammy, I mean, 
She really is a super server. You can check the parking lot anytime. Her car is here. She's really just laid down her life. And it's just so incredible to see that, Tammy. Kim, we left you ready to go on the attack. Tell us what happened once you had that revelation to not accept your fate and instead to fight back. Um, one of Pastor Ryan's sermons came to mind and he said, God does not necessarily respond to emotions, but to faith. Wow. So I was in that um, space of mind, you know. Mm. And so... Um, I got hold of my prayer partners and we were in all in battle mode and um, we were praying. It was a conference call and as we were praying, I remember getting the word reassured and I didn't know what it meant at that time, but I shared with the rest of them that I've gotten this word reassured. So we prayed and then afterwards I went to bed. It was around 4 a.m. I was laying in bed. It was around 4 a.m. And I don't know what to say it was. I'll call it an experience because it was not a dream and it was not a vision. But I found myself in a room with three walls. The front of it had no wall. It was just deep space. Wow. And there were beds in this room where people with heart and lung disease were being strapped into these beds and pushed out into space. It was mostly old people. There were also beings who were in charge in this room. And I remember one of them telling me telepathically to lay in one of those beds. So it was my turn to be pushed out into space. And I remember asking him, what happens when you push me into space? You know, and he said to me, whether you go left or right is beyond me. You've already made that decision for yourself when you lived your life. And so I said, I'm not ready to go into there because I know once I cross into space, I will not be yeah. um, alive again, you know. So I argued with them and I didn't want to go. And at one point he said to me, let her go. She is stubborn. And when he said those words, let her go, a door appeared at the back of this room. And so I rushed and stepped into this door. And as I stepped into it, I literally sat up on my bed and woke. And for the first time in months, I, I took a breath that felt like it filled my lungs and I wasn't struggling to breathe anymore. I felt like I was completely healed at this point wow. in time. I noticed that there was a tremor to me and that was me finally feeling hungry, you know. So it was around 6 a.m. by this time. So all this happened within a space of two hours. Sure. My sister walked into the room because they would regularly come and check up on me if I was still breathing. My family was really expecting the worst and kind of prepared for the worst. Um, I told her something happened, appointment or no appointment, but we need to go and see the doctor today. And I told her I was also hungry, so she brought me a bowl of porridge, which I ate. When I was done with that, I stepped out of bed by myself. I walked to the kitchen for seconds. Though I held on to the walls, I still walked by myself all the way to the kitchen, got myself another bowl of porridge. I bathed my own self, got ready for the doctor by my own self. Things that I couldn't do just the previous day, I could do now. So we went to a cardiologist that could take us in that very day. I had a few tests done, including um, an ultrasound of my heart. And 
I can't count how many times the doctor said, I don't understand, I don't understand, as he looked at my previous uh, medical reports comparing to what he was looking at in front of him. So at this point in time, the, the machine printed out um, the medical report and everything that was written on there at the very bottom in bold and um, capital letters, it said, the patient has been reassured. My treatment form was reassured. That is incredible, Kim. How incredible is that? It's, it's goosebump stuff. It's goosebump stuff. And I actually think when you had that experience, you might have actually died at that point, Kim. And so, I mean, going from literal death to life is only possible through our God. Can we just celebrate Yahweh Rapha in this place today? I mean, no more symptoms fully restored. Kim, thank you so much. And do you have any words of advice or encouragement for those watching here today or online, maybe even listening over Radio Krachbron, and they're still in the fight? What would you say to them? I just want to remind everybody here that I am you and you are me. There's nothing more special about me. In whatever situation that you are facing, if you give it to God and remember who you are in Christ, you are able to beat this. I think Amen. the devil takes advantage of our ignorance of who we are in Christ. But the moment we acknowledge and accept and utilize the authority that we have been given by Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, the next time you go down on your knees, hell will tremble because the child of the Most High God is about to say commandments and they have no choice but to obey. Amen. Amen. You know, I think we often forget the authority that we have that is available to us through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Kim. Is Mika, God placed incredible people in your life during this journey, people that were praying for you, speaking life at over you. The doctor wanted to get you to start with your chemo treatments. You refused, and in that time, your brother also stepped in. Tell us a bit more about that. Uh, my brother's been a double blessing to me, not just my brother, but he's a professional nurse, and um, what happened was he helps many people every day and he seemed to have helped the doctor's niece. Uh, she was almost in a dead bed. And my brother played a role in that, saving her life. And two weeks later, this doctor contacts him to say, you know, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything that I can do for you and help you? Because I'm so grateful you helped my niece, you know, recover. So my brother said, doctor, is there any possible way that you can maybe help my sister? And uh, he said, sure, tell her to come to Durban. I don't need um, a referral letters or anything. She can come to Durban. And I actually went down to the doctor and him being a Muslim doctor, it was like really I had to speak faith. Like, you know, I'm telling him all about Jesus and he says, oh, you're a stubborn girl. You didn't want to go for chemo. And can I give you anything? I can I convince you? How can I change your mind? I said, no, doctor, there's no way that I'm going in for chemo. And if you want to treat me, then you can give me some medication just to, you know, help me stay healthy, more energetic. But I also trust my Lord because I know he's going to heal me. And by surprise, this doctor helped me. And he didn't charge me a cent for my blood tests, for my treatment. And I can ever be so grateful to God for that because I never expected that. 
but through my brother, the doctor helped me and he would call me also now and again to ask, how are you, my dear? Is everything okay? How are you feeling? I'm so grateful to God because it's only God. Amen. It's only God. It's only God. And you then had undergone some blood tests in April. Tell us a bit about that. Um, I was amazed to get my blood results in such, such a short span of time because I was diagnosed like last year, June. And in April, I went for a blood test. Uh, my results came in May. And uh, I was astonished to hear that I went from stage two to stage one. Amen. Stage two to stage one with any chemo, that is miraculous right there. And what I can see so clearly is, Mika, and your testimony, is how you were just evangelizing to people through just the steadfast faith that you had. You actually had a beautiful encounter with your grandmother, who is not a Christian. Tell us about that. Uh, so my granny is 89 years old, and she suffers with um, osteoporosis, kidney failure, um, a heart condition and she's not a Christian. And when she heard of my help, and I told her, um, you know, of my results from stage two to stage one, hearing it from my granny stating that you are the child of Jesus and you have faith, this God is gonna heal you. You don't have to worry about a single thing. And that was the best thing I've ever heard from my granny being a non-Christian. And seeing my granny also, you know, being so positive and I get a lot of my strength from her. She still wakes up every day, does her daily routines, hardly ever hear complaining of pains and aches. And she can speak to me about Jesus and just having faith that he's going to heal me through my faith. That is absolutely amazing, Esmika. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, Esmika, your story is a little bit different from Tammy and Kim's. You're still in the fight. You're really representing today those who are still fighting that battle. And you have seen so clearly God's hand in this from the very beginning, from stage two to stage one. And we just stand in agreement and trust God for complete healing because there is nothing that our God can't do. Today is a testament of that. And I want to share with you that in the first service, after this room full of stories, as we went down, <clears throat> there was a man that came to me and he said, Luzon, as you guys were sitting, I just had this vision. Can you please do this? I had this vision that you just have to lay hands on Esmika. And I'm just seeing waves of hands being raised and just trusting God for healing. So we're going to do that right now. Esmika, if you can join us here in the front. And guys, if you could just extend your hand. Let's just declare this healing today. Let's do that. And then where you're sitting, you could just extend your hand and let's just pray in faith. Dear Lord, I just thank you for your precious and beautiful sister. God, I thank you that you know her so well and that you love her more than she can ever come to know. God, we know that you are Yahweh Rapha. You are the Lord who heals. And so, God, we are just standing together as a family now, and we are just declaring 100% complete healing over Ismika in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We just declare that today. Thank you, God, for who you are, and thank you that nothing, nothing is impossible for you. You are the God of impossible. And so, God, we just pray that this acute leukemia stage one will bow to the name of Jesus Christ, and we just proclaim absolute healing. 
We pray this, Jesus, in your beautiful and powerful name. Amen.